you see where your business can go. To get there, you may need another 10 trucks. At Century Insurance, we put more than 115 years of industry experience to work to help protect you as you launch a new delivery service or expand into a new region and reach your business goals. Century, right by you. Property and casualty coverages and underwritten and safety services are provided by a member of the Century Insurance Group, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. For a complete listing of companies, visit Century.com. Policies, coverages, benefits, and discounts are not available in all states. See policy for complete coverage details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me once again is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, you've returned victorious from your vacation. <laughs> Where have you been, dude? How are you? I'm good. I, like I said, I was down in Florida uh, for a week visiting families, so, you know, uh, seeing some places that I haven't seen in a couple of years and eating the food that I wanted to, that I've missed uh, for a couple of years now. It was nice. Just I wanted to get away, went to a lot of beach stuff, a lot of water stuff, just got a nice tan and uh, recharged my batteries. And I came back ready to grind and ready to hit these pods again. I missed you, Chad. It's, it's been like it's felt like it's been a while. So it's good to be back. I missed you, too, dog. It's it's like a <laughs> phantom limb I've had here. You know? <laughs> exactly but uh but yeah i thought it was cool off air he's like yeah dude i'm recharged i'm ready to rock and roll i'm feeling creative and that should make all of our our listeners and readers and vip subscribers stoked for 2019 i, I hope yeah you know there's going to be news to come we have a couple weeks left until training camp and then it's less than a month now until the broncos are back on the field in the hall of fame game so the news should be coming and i'm happy to be putting out the stories for everyone to read in these pods and i hope everyone enjoys them again by the way, did you get a chance at all to peruse the that top 100 list for the Denver Broncos? I, I saw the hubbub. I saw the Tim Tebow stuff, and I saw who kind of didn't make it. And I thought it was it came, came out of nowhere to me. It seemed like it, that was a, a big news event, and that would qualify for July 1st. So, yeah, I took a, a cursory glance at it. Yeah. So, uh, as I mentioned, I think, on yesterday's pod, of course, you weren't there, but I'm not a huge fan of lists and top 100s, whether it's a team releasing it or, you know, NFL Network doing it. I'm not a huge fan because oftentimes, to me, they seem arbitrary and you don't always know how these lists are formulated from a voting perspective and a decision-making perspective and all that. But I will say this, and this might surprise some people, I do. I'm one of those that thinks Tim Tebow deserves to be on that list. Do you think I'm crazy? I don't think you're crazy, and I think that's pretty much, if you know, the majority opinion, if there is one in the Broncos fan base. I mean, you know, full confidentiality, I wasn't covering the team back then, but I do remember those Tebow years, and from a football fan, it was pretty magical what he did, 
even if it didn't last very long if he fizzled out. But that season's always remembered well in Broncos lore, and he was a good player and a good teammate. And I think on a top 100 list, maybe not top 50, but top 100, you kind of got to put him on there. I mean, even if you slide him in at 100, you know, right. I'd be, I, I think that's, fu- that's fair because the thing that goes against Tim Tebow is the fact that he only played two years. And then, you know, the detractors and the skeptics out there will say, well, yeah, and, and also the fact that he sucked, dude. You know, he wasn't good, couldn't throw the football. I get all that, okay? But you can't forget the actual contribution Tim Tebow made was more than that that whirlwind of a season and a playoff victory. He literally stuck was was the foot that the Broncos stuck in in the ground to kind of pivot and turn the ship around. Literally, without Tim Tebow doing what he did, your Denver Broncos would not have been a, in a position to attract Peyton Manning the next spring. That's the truth. I mean, we we know John Elway he did a great job in terms of closing that deal and persuading Manning and saying, "Look, here's." You know, I I finished. I know what it's like to be late in your career as a quarterback, trying to get over the hump. I did it. I know what the model is to you know get a Super Bowl. I want you to retire and uh, with the Super, uh, you know, right off into the sunset with a Super Bowl ring, and all that. And that persuaded Manning. But the reason he was even attracted to Denver in the first place, it wasn't just John Elway. It was the fact that suddenly the Denver Broncos had become a national story again. Suddenly the Denver Broncos had become a winning and competitive franchise. And because of that spotlight that Tebow brought back to the Broncos and, you know, stacked a few dubs and all that, beat the defending AFC uh, champions in that wild card round, because of that, it allowed the talent that existed on that roster to come to the surface. Manning could see it. Manning could see that there were two young wide receivers just waiting in the wings and Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel, or uh, excuse me, Eric Decker. He could see that on the other side of the ball, you had some really nice pieces, Champ Bailey, uh, Chris Harris, Von Miller, obviously. And I think without Tim Tebow, Zach, without Tim Tebow's contributions, you don't get the Peyton Manning here. I could go on and on. But for that reason and others, the fact that he was the first playoff victory post-Mike Shanahan. So he's the first quarterback to get a, a playoff dub for the Denver Broncos since Mike Shanahan was fired. And I think that's meaningful. That even though he only played two years in Denver and then was traded to the Jets, I think that means something. Yeah, that's a really, really good point and a really well put point. Uh, no matter if you hate or love Tim Tebow, how you remember that season, he was a huge stepping stone for the franchise that led to better things, which included two Super Bowl appearances and a, a title. So uh, he's always going to be a link to the franchise. That's going to be his glory years. That's how he'll be remembered in the NFL. And any Broncos fan remembers that season, and most remember it well. To me, though, leaving him off the list says more than putting him on. It drew more negative criticism and opens up theories that maybe it was a, a, a acrimonious departure. Maybe more went on behind the scenes. We don't know, but I don't know how you can leave him off if he has that much um, acclaim within the fan base and and glory, even for that one year. It's yeah. just you have to put him on there. I mean, ring of fame, no. Even if the requirements weren't four years and there was no you know specific time requirement to make it to the ring, even if that wasn't the case, no, he's he his it wasn't a sustained enough kind of contribution to the team to to justify that. But if you're listing a hundred players, dude, throw Tim Tebow in there at one hundred. I mean, that's just my take. But we digress. What we're going to talk about today is our list. Zach and I put our brains together and we've come up with a list of. The young players, some of them young, some of them not so young, but players on this Broncos roster who have the potential 
to earn a Pro Bowl berth for the first time in their respective career. Some of them are no-brainers. Others might be dark horses that you don't necessarily think of offhand when you think Pro Bowl potential sitting on this roster. We're going to go through that here in just a second. First, make sure you're following the show on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. As you know, that is the best way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. If you're on YouTube, keep doing what you're doing, liking, commenting, share these podcasts on YouTube out. It's a great way to support the show. And as always, if you're on iTunes, we appreciate you. Leave a creative review. Let us know how we're doing and a five-star rating. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. And now, shop what you love and save $2 on each participating item when you buy three or more with your card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies push boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They push girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. All right, Zach, let's go through this. So again, these are a list of players, Some, a couple of them, a few of them are no-brainers, okay? I think most of the fans listening, as we go through this first list of names, you're going to be nodding your head in absolute agreement that this collection of players, at some point it's only a matter of time they're going to end up in the Pro Bowl. That's the kind of talent they have. Whereas the next list, they're more kind of dark horses. Most of them are quite young. Some of them, though, have a little bit more tenure who have just been – missing out on that, taking that next step in their respective careers. And let's start with, Zach, the most obvious guy who is poised to kick down the door and get into the Pro Bowl, Bradley Chubb. What uh, what do you think's in store for him in 2019? I honestly think a Pro Bowl is expected of Bradley Chubb and not just hope for, based on his talent and his production last year, working across from Von Miller. And I said it on a previous pod, and I saw uh, some outlet picked it up or wrote about it that Bradley Chubb could have more sacks than Von Miller this year. I said it weeks ago, and I still stand by that. I just feel like the torch is going to be passed at Chubb way sooner than people think. And um, Von might not like it, but they're going to be productive together. I, but Chubb, to me, could be the beneficiary. So, yeah, a Pro Bowl should be his floor this year, and an All-Pro uh, mention should be his ceiling. I mean, he's just that talented. He's got the draft pedigree. He's got the early production. You know, posted 12 sacks, one of 10 players only in NFL history to do 12 or more sacks in their rookie year. Plus, he's, he's poised, obviously, to benefit as well from the Fangio bump. And I'm really curious with a lot of these players we're going to talk about here today to see what they can do with that, that kind of step up from Vic Fangio. I mean, going from running around in a Vance Joseph slash Joe Woods scheme 
to working under Vic Fangio. It's going to be night and day in terms of opportunity. And it's going to allow these individual players, I think, Zach, to really tap into the potential they have, which was kind of muted the last couple of years in Denver. And also the fact that Fangio has really taken to Bradley Chubb as well. He's one guy that he's given compliments to. And as Chad, as we both know, Fangio doesn't dole out compliments easily, yep. especially to Von Miller, who he's criticized. So when you compare the two, it seems like he has higher hopes maybe for Chubb, maybe because he's younger or whatever. But based on what he's drawing up and putting them both in the same side in these rushing schemes, he's going to have a huge, huge year. All right, let's get to this next guy. We've been talking about him for a couple of years now. The stars just haven't quite aligned for this to happen. But Justin Simmons, and I think he's, you know, you want to talk about being muted from a talent perspective. I mean, he has accountability for not totally living up to his potential at this point. But, and Eric and I talked about this on a couple pods ago too, Zach, but if you, the reason everyone's so excited about Justin Simmons and has been is because he was so good his rookie year as the third safety onto the field. And 2017, Joseph arrives, takes a step back as a full-time starter, does Justin Simmons. Last year, you think, oh, the quantum leap's coming. Injuries decimate the unit. The coaches make some ill-advised decisions to play him at pretty much every position in the defensive backfield except one, basically. And so he wasn't really able to focus. He kind of became a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Whereas under Vic Fangio, Zach, I think that he's finally going to be able to have a foundation, some stability, and not only that, but a real basis for coaching, tap into that intellectual side because he's such a smart player. Every single team has that perennial breakout player, and Justin Simmons is that for the Broncos. And I agree that this is the year that he should break out. Based on his versatility, which Fangio loves, he can play the nickel slot. He can play safety either side. Um, He just has so much ability, natural talent. I think he will benefit from what should be a more uh, turnover-producing defense. I think he'll get more interceptions and more stats, and that can put him over the edge. But it would be a disappointment to me. He's not a lock like Bradley Chubb, but his hope— would be the Pro Bowl this year. Either way, he's going to be a, a very good and key cog uh, you know, for this defense. All right, next guy. Followed Chubb in the second round last year in the draft, Cortland Sutton. He enters the 2019 season as the guy the Broncos are pushing forward as the wide receiver one. Now, I have my doubts that he's ready for that just because he struggled in that role in the final three, four games last year after Sanders went down. But Cortland Sutton, there's no doubt he's got the talent. He's, I think he's finally got a quarterback, too, in Denver that knows how to kind of – he knows how his bread is buttered, in other words, from, yeah. from Joe Flacco. And I think he's going to get him the ball vertically. He's going to feed him in the red zone, which could spell big things and some accolades for the former SMU product. Yeah, and, you know, even if Emmanuel Sanders didn't get hurt last year, I would still feel that he has Pro Bowl potential. Based on just who Joe Flacco is as a passer, he loves – uh, big receivers in the red zone, and that's where Sutton thrives. I mean, just on arm talent alone with Flacco to get the ball down the field and let Sutton either catch it or draw a penalty. Uh, he'll, he should be the Broncos' leading receiver, either in receptions or yards this year, and I do think he has a shot. I wouldn't you know, pencil him in there, but I do think he has a good shot this year. All right, let's get to this next guy. <clears throat> the first rookie that we have on this list, one of two rookies that we have on this list, Noah Fant. Obviously, first-round pick, 20th overall. You know, he it might take a little bit of time because tight ends traditionally take a couple years to really hit their stride and, and begin to produce on a prolific level, but he's entering a pretty favorable situation in terms of hitting that, that stride earlier or sooner rather than later because we know 
Joe Flacco has in recent past shown an affinity toward targeting the tight end. Plus, he brings that 4-5 speed. He's a big-bodied guy, 6'5", 250 pounds, and he's going to work the middle of the field. He's going to work in the red zone. He's also going to serve as a deep threat that defenses are going to have to respect, and I'm just really curious to see how much noise Noah Fant can make as a rookie. It might take him a few years, though. You know, it's, he's not going to come out of the gates possibly as the Broncos starter. He might work him behind one or two tight ends this year. Uh, but when he does, uh, you know, reach his potential, if he does with the Broncos, he should be a pro bowler. He has that ability, that natural talent. And working with Joe Flacco, like you said, Chad, uh, that can only benefit him based on what we've seen in the past. So, yeah, eventually, maybe not right away, I do see pro bowl potential in Noah Fan. All right, second and last rookie that makes this list is Dalton Reisner, taking a pick 41 in the second round this year, already plugged in as a starter. Surprised us all that the Broncos had envisioned him on the left side, not the right side, where he spent the majority of his collegiate career, especially being obviously a right tackle. The Broncos like him at left guard, and that's where they plugged him in, kind of replacing Ronald Leary, who started there anyway last year. Leary's going to be on the right side, but... Dalton Reisner is one of those guys not a lot of people are talking about now that the draft is a month or two in the rear view. Madden, from what I read, Zach, didn't give him a whole lot of love in terms of his ratings, but he's a guy who's going to quietly just get work done. And it might not be the level of production that we saw uh, from the kid uh, last year. Who's that fifth, fifth overall pick or whatever? Went to Quentin Indiana. Nelson. There you go. Thank you. I was having a brain fart there. Might not be that level of notoriety out of the gates, but he, I don't think he'll be that far behind him. Like He's that good of a player. He's that physical, gets after it. He's already earned some uh, public remarks from the veterans who were like, yeah, we like Reisner. We, we've had to tell him to kind of you know, chill out, dude. You know, okay. This is just practice, bro. This is OTAs. You know, Take it easy. So I think that bodes well for him being a dark horse, maybe, maybe a dark horse in 2019 for the Pro Bowl, but a no-brainer in terms of getting there at some point in his career. It's so, so funny. You, you literally read my mind there, Chad. I, I'm not saying he's going to be Quentin Nelson. This is what I was going to say. Uh, but he can be that that a little bit of a lesser version. It just makes so much sense for him at this spot. At guard in the NFL, he fits the Broncos scheme perfectly. And with this coaching, if Mike Munchak feels comfortable putting him there, um, we should feel comfortable rooting for him to make the Pro Bowl. If it doesn't happen in 2019, it will happen by 2020. He's just that naturally gifted for this line and for this scheme. And uh, But, yeah, I, I see Quentin Nelson vibes in him. He doesn't have that pedigree, but he's not far off. All right, that's kind of the, the more no-brainer guys, as we've said. We still have a list of five players that are more dark horse candidates. We're going to get to those here in just a second. First, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. <laughs> All right, Zach, let's go through some of these players who, who have that Pro Bowl potential. The stars are aligning right for them. Maybe there's one or two stars not quite locked into place that we need to still kind of see take shape this year. But that potential is there, but it's, it's more on the unlikely side. But it's there nonetheless. Let's go through this, starting with the Denver Broncos' new starting center, new in the sense that he is the incumbent this time around, Connor McGovern. Finished last season, seven games, starting as the center. Matt Paradis officially got on the horn with him after he chose to go to Carolina, passed the torch to Connor McGovern, said, this is your time, this is your year. He's leading that group, and I'm excited to see what he can do with Mike Munchak there as a starter, full offseason, working at that position. Connor McGovern, and I talked about this on a pod with Eric, too. It was either yesterday or the day before. 
that he's a guy that has potential to make it to the Pro Bowl. Maybe this year it's more as a alternate guy that only gets to play if the top one or two guys, you know, pass on playing in the Pro Bowl. But he has that potential, Zach. Yeah, you know, this is I, I differ just a little bit on this. I, I like McGovern as a player, but uh, he's arguably the Broncos' biggest weak biggest weakest link, excuse me, on the on the new offensive line here. And he had some major glaring issues last year. So if he can get those corrected, he definitely has good starting potential. But Pro Bowl, even with Munchak's magic, it could be a little further off. We'll call it, we, we've already talked about the Fangio bump on defense. We'll call it the Munchak bump on this offensive line. So here's to hoping for Connor McGovern that he can capitalize on that. And it's a great opportunity for a man, like, especially you want to talk about stars aligning, heading into a contract year. I mean, McGovern's got life on a plate right now. So here's to hoping he can hit it out of the park. Now, this next one, Zach, you, you put this one forward. I, I differ on this one a little bit. Josie Jewell, you go ahead and, and, and lay out why you see him having, eventually as a dark horse, the potential nonetheless being there to end up in a Pro Bowl. Yeah, this is a, a dark horse in the truest sense here with Josie Jewell because, you know, he has, he's not proven at all. He's not established, and he has some work to do in his own game. But based on what we've talked about with Fangio's defense, we talked about in San Francisco, he had Chris Borland, and that's a great comparison for Josie Jewell. And just based on his production in this defense, he can be a tackling machine. He can play all three downs for the Broncos. Uh, he might have some pass coverage deficiencies, but based on the way that Fangio scattered him last year with the Bears and based on what he wants to do this year next to Todd Davis and based on the fact they didn't sign him draft an inside linebacker I do think uh it's it's a it's a real long shot but you know the glimmer of hope is there for Josie Jewell in my opinion I can't completely disagree you know when you when you lay it out as a long shot I can't completely disagree because even though it was in college I mean he was a prolific player award-winning tackling machine and the van the Fangio bump I mean the guys I think it's going to benefit most are the edge off-ball linebackers and the safeties the corners, you know, they're they're going to eat because of what the edge guys do. The safeties, if you follow Vic Fangio's coaching uh, tree and go back into all the different places he's been, especially in recent history, safeties, prolific, a lot of Pro Bowls, a lot of All-Pros, and so goes the off-ball linebacker crew. And for whatever reason, the fans, the media, might be doubting what the Broncos have there at off-ball linebacker. Clearly, though, the team didn't. Vic Fangio is not really worried about what he has at off-ball linebacker. So that should tell us something. That should tell us something. And so in that sense, Zach, I can't completely disagree that at some point in his career, it wouldn't surprise me to see Josie Jewell end up in the Pro Bowl. And in fact, you know, he's just such a smart player. He's the intangibles. He's got those in spades. And a lot of the physical traits, too, he has and from a skill set. He lacks the twitch. He lacks the speed and that explosiveness. But he still brings plenty of tools to the table to to get the job done, so to speak. Yeah, you know, I'm making no bones about the fact that it's a super long shot, and I hope he does make it. But either way, he's going to be a good leader for this team. He's going to be a good productive player for this team and a good locker room presence. And you have to have those players. So Fangio likes him, and uh, you know, Broncos fans like him, and he should be you know productive this year, nonetheless, regardless of title. You know, in 2019. All right, let's get to the last guy on this list who is poised to really, really benefit from the Fangio bump. I mean, they're all going to, or excuse me, the the Munchak bump, but especially Garrett Bowles. And again, you weren't here for this, Zach, but yesterday or the day before, I talked about how I think Garrett Bowles, you know, he was drafted in the first round for a reason. You look at what he did in the combine, blew it up from an athletic perspective and a size perspective. He is a quintessential zone-blocking scheme left tackle. 
between the ears, you know, that's where it all lacks. Discipline issues, highly emotional player. Mike Munchak, if he can reach Garrett Bowles and calm him down. Eric Trickle talked a lot about this too. I think actually it was yesterday's podcast that the problem with Bowles is if you go back, and he's right on this. I never looked at it this way, but this is totally true, Zach. If you go back and look at some of the biggest facepalm moments in Garrett Bowles' two-year career, whether it's giving up a big sack, a holding penalty, whatever, if you go back and watch those plays, more often than not, the play before that or a play in that same series, he had a massive mistake, and it led to one or two plays later, an even worse mistake because he allows these things to get – he's so emotional that he allows these things to get into his head. And in the pros, I mean, you got to be able to forget it. If you're yep. a cornerback and you get beaten for a touchdown, yep. that sucks. It hurts. You're going to go home to, tonight and you're going to lament that. But in the moment, you got to forget it. you got to compete. And Bolts has really had a struggle doing that. So if he can get over some of those things and his, his lapses in technique and discipline, this is a guy who does have Pro Bowl potentials there. Yeah, you nailed it, Chad, and, and that's a really good uh, observation by by Eric that you know he he beats himself up and he can't get out of his own head and he can't get out of out of his own way, literally and figuratively. Uh, it's it's in this sport you have to have a two second memory and just move on to the next play. And to this point, he hasn't done it. Whether it's his own fault or some of coaching in there too, we'll have to see. I'm a little more of a skeptic on Garrett Bowles personally. I, I love his potential and his physical tools, but the mental game to me, I mean, he's almost like the the uh, offensive lineman version of Paxton Lynch. It just, he makes the same mistakes over and over and over again, and, and they're often you know disastrous. So he has to show that he can even be capable before we think about Pro Bowl. And that's fair. I think that's fair. We'll see how it shakes out. Now, let's get to two guys who have been in the league a while, one of which is heading into his, what, his eighth year, I think. It might be his ninth. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. So he's going into his eighth year. Derek Wolf. let's start with him. Now, some of you might be thinking, look, if Derek Wolf was ever meant for the Pro Bowl this far in, and especially at how good he's been at times in his career, he would have already made it. And in one sense, you'd be right, because it is, after all, extremely difficult for interior 3-4 defensive linemen, to, if you're not a nose tackle, it's difficult as a 5-tech, as a as a defensive end in a 3-4, traditionally, to make the Pro Bowl, because your job is not to rack up stats. I mean, the J.J. Watts of the world are the outlier. You know, they're the exception to that prove the rule. And in that sense, that's one of the biggest reasons why Wolf has struggled throughout his career to earn those individual accolades. Now, if he played defensive tackle in a 4-3 throughout his career, not end, but played like a three-tech, he probably would have a better shot or would have had a better shot throughout his career making the Pro Bowl because when you see five, six sacks from a three-tech defensive tackle in a 4-3, that's something league guys take notice of. Players notice that. They vote for him. Man, that's flashy. You don't expect that from a three-tech. From a defensive end, even if you're in a 3-4, it's just it's not impressive enough to garner those, those accolades, even if you are one of the best run defenders in the game. And in that sense, that's what's hurt Derek Wolf. This time around, though, the Fangio bump is why I see Derek Wolf having – it might still be a long shot, but it's why I see Derek Wolf having a chance to finally get an individual accolade. He's contributed to massive team success over the years, but those individual accolades, other than being named to the top 100 of all-time players for the Denver Broncos, have eluded him. What are your thoughts on Derek Wolf having a shot at the Pro Bowl this year? 
Yeah, it's you know it's true in three four systems. Defensive ends are more used to tie up blockers and let the outside linebackers go to work. And I don't think in Fangio's defense it'll be that much different. If the Broncos do get interior pressure, it'll come from Shelby Harris or Draymond Jones. I, Derek Wolf to me is a is a nice player when he's healthy, and if he can stay healthy, he should be good against the run and get some stats and tackles that way. But I don't know. It's hard to place him right now. I think um, he's going to be a cog, not necessarily a star. So Pro Bowl to me is, is more off. But if he kind of can harken back to Derek Wolf of the past, he can go off for some sacks and you never know. But I just think uh, the outside linebackers, like you said before, Chad, are just going to eat this year. I think his career high is six sacks in a season. And I think that came his rookie year. He might have gotten close to that or matched it in 2015. I can't recall off the top of my head and I don't have it in front of me. But if he can nudge that number somewhere between two to four sacks. If he can get somewhere between eight to ten sacks, which is asking a lot, I get that. But if he can, he's got a shot. Now, here's the last guy we're going to talk about today, another guy who's been in the league for a minute and finally started getting some traction, though, once he came to Denver. His first year in Denver, he got a lot of love from the analytics uh, publications out there. Last year in particular, though, they fell in love with him. Technically, Shelby Harris was pro football focuses highest graded player on the Broncos roster. He just barely nudged out Von Miller in the cumulative grade. This time, he's going into his third year as a Bronco. Been in the league a little bit longer than that, but his third year as a Bronco. And for the first time, he's an incumbent starter. He's penciled in as the starting nose tackle. I think he's shown that he's got these flashes of being a disruptive, penetrating playmaker at the point of attack which, again, we just talked about it for tackles in particular, defensive tackles. If you, if you rack up TFLs and sacks and quarterback hits, good chance you're going to make the Pro Bowl. And this might be a, a hot take, but I think Shelby Harris has way more Pro Bowl upside than Derek Wolf, especially in this defense. I mean, e- even if Fangio is going to rotate with Zach Kerr and Draymond Jones, based on what we've seen so far in advanced Joseph defense, Shelby Harris can make plays as a run defender, as a pass rusher. He has talent, and the Broncos really uncovered a gem. So big Shelby Harris fan, and if he's used as the predominant nose tackle in this defense and, and the defense works as it should, yeah, I, I could see a breakout season, and I can see him getting paid. Uh, next offseason, and I can see him you know, in the Pro Bowl for sure. Big Shelby Harris guy. Yep, good point, good point. And the other thing about this list real quick is that a lot of these guys are in contract years. Justin Simmons, uh, McGovern, Harris, Wolf. So, yep. you know, these are some motivated dudes trying to get that next big contract. In Derek Wolf's case, it's probably the last big opportunity for him to get a contract to feed his family for the rest of his life. So, I think the I think this is a solid list. If you disagree with us, let us know in the comments on YouTube. Let us know on Twitter. Let us know on the VIP forums on milehighhuddle.com. We want to hear it. But, hey, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. Zach, welcome back. It is great to felt have good. you back in the saddle, bro. Yeah, it felt good to be back, man. I think uh, Broncos fans should like this pod, and I think, uh, I think most would agree, honestly. I think we were fair and objective with this list. In the meantime... We will uh, be back a day from now. You're going to get a Building the Broncos episode tomorrow, and then we will return for the VIP mailbag on Friday. In the meantime, you guys, have yourselves a happy and safe 4th of July. Make sure uh, you, you, you stay on the safe side no matter what you're doing, how you celebrate Independence Day. Make sure you're following the show, though, on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. You can find my partner here, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at Kelberman247. Myself, at Chad N. Jensen. Again, stay tuned for Building the Broncos tomorrow, and then we'll be back on the other side. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you then. 
You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.